0: Hi, welcome to WoMA Podcast. WEMA is the Western regional component of the American College of Occupational and Environmental Medicine. Voima podcasts are a benefit for WoMA members to stay current on topics of interest to occupational and environmental medicine physicians. My name is Aisha Chaudhry, and I am today's moderator. Today we are thrilled to be joined by Woema Present President, Dr. Rupali Das. Dr. Das will give us an insight on in our Vision 2022 for Voema. Dr. Rupali Das is a Senior Vice President and California Medical Director at the Zenith Insurance Company and Clinical Professor of Medicine at the UCSF Division of Occupational and Environmental Medicine. Dr. Das previously served as the executive medical director of the California Division of Workers' Compensation, and has held various leadership positions in environmental and occupational health at the California Department of Public Health and California EPA. She received her medical degree and D degree from the D- University of Illinois Chicago, completed her training in occupational and environmental medicine at the UCSF and her master's degree in public health from the University of California, Brooklyn. She is both certified in internal medicine and preventive medicine, occupational medicine, and is a fellow of the American College of Occupational and Environmental Medicine. She has served as the chair of OIMAS' educational committee and the legislative committee, and is a past walk chair. Vision is serves as a strategic plan for success and motivate us to work towards our shared goal. We will talk with Dr. Das today as why is it important for us and how we will accomplish this as a team. The Voyama Education Committee members involved in planning this session has no relevant financial relationships to disclose. Dr. Das reports no conflict of interest. Welcome, Dr. Das.
1: Thank you so much for having this conversation with me. I am honored to have the chance to speak with you today.
0: Thank you, Dr. Zas. Please tell us about your Vision 2022 for WOMA. Yes, thank you for that
1: question. Uh, my main focus for this year is to reevaluate our vision in WOMA and set a strategy that will sustain us for the long term. Um, And I'm doing that through a strategic thinking process. It's been over 10 years since we revisited our strategic plan. It was a great plan. Uh, And we've done pretty well because it was well set at the time. We've had great leaders and great volunteers, our members. But in the last 10 years, a lot has changed. Our members have changed. Our leaders have changed. Our management has changed and the world has definitely changed in many ways. And we need to reevaluate our plan going forward so that we have a plan for short-term success and a path towards sustainability in the long-term. And after two years of COVID, it seems like the time is right to think deeply and strategically and prepare for our future. So I'll just uh, summarize what we're doing our Strategic thinking process focuses on the future and is kind of a positive uh, process. Instead of focusing on our weaknesses, we're looking at our strengths and what do we do well and what do we want to do well in the future? And um, because it is future focused, we, we want to know what's coming down the tracks. What's, um, what are the uh, opportunities? What do we hope to be? and what do we want to do? So we prepare for things that are not here yet. And I think it really encompasses everything in WOMA. Everything we do, we do will fall into the strategic thinking plan. We are a diverse set of professionals, both in terms of the subject matter that we um, work in, whether it's musculoskeletal injuries or toxicology, as well as jobs our members hold, Ranging from corporate medical directors to clinicians. And we need to remain relevant to them and to new advances in our field and make sure we continue to attract and promote talented, dynamic, and diverse members and continue this the path that we have of attracting great leaders into our organization. Uh, And we also need to advocate for our members, but not only our members, for our profession, for occupational environmental medicine and certainly for our patients. And I, and last but not least, uh, we are a volunteer organization. We are, um, we sus- are sustained by um, inconsistent sources of funding, but we wanna ensure that we remain financially stable into the future. And, and so in closing for this question, I wanna say that to realize this vision, um, I, I can't do it alone. I have to rely on um, the members. And so I've recruited a wonderful team of WOMA members and emerging leaders. And this will allow not only the current leaders but future leaders to have a say in shaping the organization. And through teamwork, it's gonna bring us closer to to realizing our vision, our, our joint vision, not just my vision. And after two years of COVID, it will reinvigorate us as we look forward to hopefully a brighter future
0: totally agree with you, Dr. Dahl. yeah um, it, it's definitely a plan going forward. Um, tell us about your journey from internal medicine and occupational medicine. You started as an internist and then um, you, you attained training in occupational medicine. What made you think that you you are better suited for an occupational medicine well
1: I was uh, attracted to occupational medicine actually very early in my career. I was very lucky to have been introduced to this fascinating field as a medical student at the University of Illinois Chicago. I was on a hospital-based internal medicine rotation at Cook County Hospital, which actually unfortunately has since closed. Um, and while I was there, I met residents who were part of the occupational medicine training program at Cook County Hospital. Um, I liked it so much that I did a short rotation there as a medical student. And then again, I chose to do another rotation in occupational medicine when I was a resident in internal medicine at Michael Reese Hospital in Chicago, which also unfortunately has closed. And um, it was at that time that I started developing my interest in pursuing occupational medicine after internal medicine and at at that time it was really considered somewhat of a fellowship, which most of the people going through the program already had training uh, primarily in internal medicine. And many of the faculty and residents who were at Cook County Hospital have remained my mentors and colleagues over the years. Um, I, I wanna just say that when I told my internal medicine residency director, who is a nationally respected nephrologist, that I wanted to pursue occupational medicine after intro medicine um, he laughed. And he didn't know what it was. And he asked, why in the world would I want to take a step down? Uh, you know, I would like to think that occupational environmental medicine has a slightly better reputation these days. Uh, I think it's a little better known, but I really think we have a lot of work to do to raise its profile to the level where it should be and have it be recognized as a full-fledged uh, profession in and of its own. And I would just want to expand my response to say there are two main things that drew me into the field at that time. First, I thought I learned so much about work and the world by talking to the patients that I saw when I was on my rotations in occupational medicine at Cook County Hospital and learning about the jobs they did was uh, really an honor because I got to enter their lives in a way that, I think as a physician in internal medicine, I didn't. I was just focused on their medical problems. And when you talk to a patient in the occupational medicine clinic um, at Cook County Hospital, you could sense the pride they felt in sharing what they did uh, for eight or however many hours a day. It was like reading a good book. And it was an honor to really have people share that part of their lives. And as a doctor, uh, you know, in other fields, we r- rarely get to hear about that. The other aspect of uh, occupational environmental medicine that really fascinated me was the toxicological and chemical ex- exposures. And that really is what drew me into the field. I remember very distinctly a case from my rotation at Cook County Hospital. Um, it was a car mechanic with peripheral neuropathy of both of his hands due to N-hexane exposure. And amazingly, more than 10 years later, when I was working at the occupational health branch at the California Department of Public Health, our team investigated an outbreak of N-hexane-related peripheral neuropathy among automotive technicians. And this investigation was written up in the MMWR. So um, uh, unfortunately, the hazard persisted uh, now, I think, the hazard is lowered because of regulations that have been put into place. But I think that's an example of the amazing work we can do uh, going from patients to recognizing hazards to preventing them using public health measures. And I just wanna say that one more incident I really remember from around the same time when I made the transition from internal medicine to occupational medicine was the chemical attack by Saddam Hussein on the Kurdish people in northern Iraq that resulted in the death and significant injury of thousands of civilians. This was towards the end of the Iran-Iraq War. Uh, I remember learning a lot about the attack and giving talks about it. Um, To me, this incident sparked my interest not only in toxicology, but also in public health and policy and environmental health, and in a way it helped set the path for a lot of the things I went on to do and um, as I talk about this I'm really sort of reminded of what's going on in the world around us and um, so much has changed but so we're still facing the same hazards today.
0: Very exciting journey and I'm I'm really um, you You act as a mentor for all of us in occupational medicine, but I'll especially look towards you as a female mentor. And uh, as March is a Women's History Month, who were your female mentors and uh, what progress um, do you see in occupational medicine in regards to female um, recruitment in Moema, especially? Thank you.
1: Yeah, thank you for that question. March is Women's History Month, and WOMA recognized that in an email sent out from the JEDI Committee um, earlier this month. Um, I would have to say my most important female mentors were, the first thought that comes to my mind is my family, Um, my grandmothers, my aunts, and my mother. And my grandmothers were not uh, uh, professionals in the current sense of the word, but they were amazing, powerful women um, who are also very gentle and especially kind and gentle to me and who supported me with a lot of love. And I'm fortunate that they played such a prominent role in uh, prominent roles in my life. My aunts taught me so much about, again, not medicine, but about art and culture and being a good person. And my mother, uh, was a professional. She's a retired pediatric dentist at, at a time when uh, a lot of women were not um, professionals and mothers at the same time in this country, especially. And so I grew up having a role model of a working mother and someone who had ambition. Um, I would say some of the professional mentors have been uh, uh, role models, more more role models than mentors along the way. Uh, Some of my mentors have been female colleagues and leaders in WOMA and ACOM. And some of them are past presidents of WOMA and I consider them among my very close friends. I would have to say when I was a younger physician, I actually had very few what I would consider female mentors in occupational medicine and definitely no formal mentors. I think we have made a lot of progress since then. I see, you know, in recognizing Women's History Month, for example, and encouraging women to become professionals, I've seen more women rise to leadership levels in in many settings, not just in occupational medicine, but also in occupational medicine, corporate, academic, government, and clinical over my career. And I think that's really great news. At WOMA, we recognized the women presidents um, that we do, we have had women presidents, and I think we need to have more. Um, Increasingly, we recognize the importance of acknowledging and promoting women in medicine uh, in general, and in, of course, in occupational medicine, and in the importance of formal mentoring, which I did not have. I kind of learned by seeking out mentors, but the mentors I sought out were not necessarily women because there just weren't that many women mentors available. So we still have a lot of work to do, but I think the future looks bright for women entering the field now. And I, I really uh, value the formal mentorship. I think um, some of the women's luncheons we've had as part of our conference and acknowledging Women's History Month and, and maybe we could not only enter WALMA, but be leaders um, as we go forward.
0: Yes, thank you, Dr. Das. Let's come to an um, exciting round of rapid fire round. I'm just going to ask you some uh, personal questions and um, just answer me as it is. Um, uh, Are you ready, Dr. Das? I'm ready, Aisha, fire away. What's your favorite food? Without a doubt, mangoes. Oh, awesome. Same here. (laughs) What scares you?
1: I, I think the scariest thing for me is if something bad were to happen to my two sons, they're adults now, but it scares me to think the world may not always be kind to them. And that always drives what I do.
0: What's your favorite movie?
1: Well, I, you know, I had to think about this one. If I, I love movies. I have a lot of favorites, but I would say my favorite is uh, right now is the Lord of the Rings series. For a couple of reasons because I loved reading Tolkien's books when I was young uh, and I escaped in them and 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 seeing the movie it evoked that time in my life Uh, also the Lord of the Rings series is such a great story of good triumphing over evil and I think we need that these days and I thought about that a lot in recent days so that's what I would say is my favorite right now
0: This is a very exciting question, and I think we all feel for that, and we always have something that we start and we have a hard time on finishing. What do you think is something that you started, but you have so much hard, having so much hard time in finishing it? Yeah,
1: uh, I have a hard time finishing a lot of things outside of work because I have so many interests, but I would say one of the main things uh, is that after I returned from Tanzania, and climbing Kilimanjaro in 2015, I was very motivated to create a children's book to benefit a charity that served children orphaned by the AIDS epidemic, um, which really took its toll in Africa. And I started it and uh, uh, maybe someday I will finish it. So that's the one main thing that I would like to finish.
0: Do you have any hobbies? Do you collect any things for a hobby, like um, anything that you you like collecting? I
1: I love collecting (laughs) things. Um, And I would say one of the uh, categories of items that I have collected since I was very young is miniature things, you know, a lot of different things, miniature glass animals, miniature books, just miniatures and I, I'm i really drawn to them and uh, there's something I really love about them. So I would say that that is one of the collections I have started and continued from a young age to the current time.
0: Thank you, Dr. Das. We have so many uh, more things to ask you, but I think we will continue on our next episode. Um, stay tuned with us, another episode with Dr. Das on her Vision 2022. Thank you so much. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Thank you, Aisha. Thank you, Dr. Thoss.
1: Okay, how did that go? I I think I, I had a few like things I said over, but hopefully I don't you'll be able to.